Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 179 of the Trust the Plan podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Jim. And we're going to trust the plan. Always trust the plan. Yeah, Have a plan right. you can trust. That's right. Okay. <laughs> hey, if I always forget to say this, right? So a couple things. Number one, we believe by providing education and guidance, we can inspire you to make great decisions so you can retire confidently and have a plan that you can trust. There you go. This is the mission, okay? The mission, the vision, and I don't know why I always forget. But also, okay, uh, let's see. What was I gonna say also? I can't remember. Oh, smash the like button. Yeah. That little bell, right, on YouTube. If you're listening, that's great, but we, we, we encourage you to subscribe to YouTube, hit the bell, smash the subscribe button, whatever they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I do that right? That's perfect. Okay. Got it. So today we're gonna talk about rich, young Americans, okay. like people under 40, with a couple million. Okay. So, you know, early on, great success. So the article that, that we found says, Rich young Americans have less exposure to the stock market than prior generations. So like hmm. you less than your dad, mm-hmm. right? So why would that be, right? And so we're speculating, okay, but we have some ideas about why this might be the case. Mm-hmm. So depending on the age, right, when you were t- in 2008, okay, that was a terrible, you know, and let's, let's actually go back to 2000 as well. Because mm-hmm. I'm 43, okay, and in 2000, I was graduating, and mm-hmm. I saw the three-year meltdown, tech okay. bubble. yeah, you were right there. Right, and then in 2007, the market peaked, and then we saw, you know, a, a, a two-year meltdown. Mm-hmm. Both times, it was minus 50% or more, Yeah. and we had a lost decade. So depending on where you were, you know, and your age, it could have had a really bad taste in your mouth, and you might have thought this isn't for me. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Whether it's because you actually participated through it and you saved and you invested, or even more likely you just, all you heard about growing up was how much your parents lost in the stock market and your grandparents lost and so-and-so couldn't retire because of the stock market, right? So maybe you grew up in those, you know, kind of as you were just getting out onto your own and having to make financial decisions for yourself, all you remember hearing is stock market's bad, stock market's bad. Right, could be could be why. Mm-hmm. So I think either way, you know, either it's your own personal experience or the fact that you just that's what you heard. You know, yeah. People, I mean, we have people come into our office and still say, "My my parents uh, lost it all, so I'm really conservative." Right. Yeah. yeah. And we want to embrace risk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we want to grow, right? We want to grow mm-hmm. the the money, whether it's stock portfolio, whether it's uh, other asset classes. And the article suggests that. The other asset classes that these younger folks are more focused on are real estate, private equity, and art. Hmm. The art one really surprised me. Yeah. Because that's really not for me. <laughs> I don't have a creative yeah. ounce, a creative bone in my body. Right. Like I'm good at stick figures, you know, oh, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my five-year-old is a better drawer <laughs> than me, you know? Yeah. And that's a fact. 
Yeah, that that is an interesting one. So I guess one of the things going back, maybe we should have set this from the very beginning, but are these newly rich young people? Does the article say, is it a result of these types of investments or is it just saying they're newly rich and this is how they choose to invest their money? Don't know. But I think the second, I think the, the latter is the case. That, that okay. would be my take too. Yeah. I, would, I would assume that's the case, but I didn't know if it, if it specified. I'm, I'm kind of picturing people in Silicon Valley that uh, graduated college, went to California for a mm -hmm. startup company or got a lot of, got a lot of stock somehow. Yeah. And they're trying to diversify out of that company's stock into other stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one way to diverse, let's say you work at Google or Amazon or something mm -hmm. and they, they do pay a lot of the comp in stock. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or maybe it was a startup and they hit it big. Yeah. Right. Yep. But anyway, when you get a lot of comp in company stock, the instinct is to diversify away when you can. Mm -hmm. So you can say diversify away from the company into the S&P or into another strategist, right? Mm -hmm. That's totally reasonable. Yeah. Or you can say, well, I have enough stock already. I need to diversify into other things like real estate or private equity. Yeah, I think your scenario makes a lot of sense because if those are the type of people that it's involving, and they just did really well, whether you know through their stock or their company, you know hyper growth stock. You know where are they looking to reinvest? More startups, more venture capital, more you know things like that. Private equity, right? Yes. So that kind of leads to that private equity piece where yeah. you could see them wanting to to try it again, right? That's it, right. It was exciting. It did well last time, and and it became. And the other thing too is for people that age, it became more accessible, right? Private yes. equity used to be really hard to get into. Yeah. With account minimums and net yeah. worths. And you'd have to have a net worth of $5 million, yeah. and you'd have to have a 10-year commitment and a $250,000 minimum. Yeah. And that's just not the case anymore. Right. We, we even have people occasionally, not as much as they used to, but they come in and say, I can get into this crowdsource, right? This app, this app allows me to buy a part of this company. Should okay. I do it? When we talk about <laughs> investing, I hate when we say app. Whenever, okay. yeah, whenever it talks about an app, there's pro problems. My investing app, okay? Like, come on. All right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this reminds me, I saw an excellent video, I believe it was on Instagram, where a guy, <laughs> it was a reel, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a young guy, probably in his 20s, and he says, guys, I gotta tell you what happened to me. I opened up a Robinhood account and I funded it with $1,000, but due to a technical glitch, I was able to get margin exposure of $50,000. Oh, man. And I bought options with the $50,000, and of course, I lost all the money, mm -hmm. and what do I do next? Of course, I delete the app. <laughs> that should make your problem go away, right? Yeah. Just delete the app. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, I blocked, I blocked Robinhood out of email, I deleted the app, and I thought I was good, but that's a real $50,000 liability now. Yeah. That's real money that's gone. So <laughs> here's the kicker. He's like, Robinhood sent a lawyer to my house with real papers and now they're suing me. <laughs> wow. That's, that's scary, but I'm a very true story. Did I'm I sure. send that to you? Oh man, <laughs> I, I should look for, I have to see that one. I watched it like five times. <laughs> that's pretty good. Sorry for this kid. But it's, he's going to owe that money. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if he can pay it. Yeah. Sounds like no. Right. But um, well. anyway, so so let's see how I got off topic. Oh yeah, the app. Yeah. Right. So there are more accessible 
crowdsourcing programs. I'm not going to name any names, but you have you can have a smaller net worth and a smaller minimum, mm -hmm. and it's like instantly diversified. You know, they make it sound pretty good. Um, no recommendations here, not mm -hmm. you know full disclosure and all that, uh, but it is more accessible as you said. Mm -hmm. And even with us starting in 2013, we had access to programs where you only had to have a $1 million net worth and a $50,000 minimum mm -hmm. you know, compared to the other numbers that we used earlier. So over time, it's getting more and more accessible. Yeah, to the point now where we, we can buy it with virtually no minimums and we're purchasing like a mutual fund, right? It's, yeah. it's way more accessible than it ever used to be. Correct, correct. So what about art? I mean, do you want to invest in art? <laughs> you know, that, that one was interesting to me as well. Um, it wouldn't be at the top of my list of things to invest in. Um, immediately, the first thing I, I think of is even if I bought a painting and it appreciated in value, who am I going to sell that to? How am I going to sell, you know, actually realize that gain, right? Because there's a real liquidity issue with, with art, right? Yeah, I don't have any interest in it. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of, it makes me think like you could easily come up with some paper gains on art, but when it comes down to it, actually selling the piece or trying to realize those gains would be a lot more difficult than, uh, yeah, than you actually think sure. it would be. So I, I just thought of a fun story at, as it relates to art, and that is when I was in Paris a few weeks ago at the Louvre, mm -hmm. they have the Mona Lisa, sure. right? The mm -hmm. most famous painting ever. And our, our tour guide told us a story that like, you know, a hundred years ago, one of the janitors at the Louvre stole it, mm. like on the night shift, okay? Wow. And it was gone. And this actually helped feed into the popularity of, of the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. And it was missing for many, many years. And it was found like, say 10 years later, I, I don't know how long it was gone, under the guy's bed after he died. No kidding. Isn't that cra crazy? Yeah. So, hmm. you know, how much is the Mona Lisa worth? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a wild story. But the guy, the guy just put it under his bed. He didn't try to sell it. So he, yeah, he didn't even enjoy it, right? He didn't even have it on the wall to, <laughs> right. to, to view it. He just sat under the bed. Right. <laughs> crazy story. Yeah. I had never heard that. So uh, probably most people haven't heard about it as well. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I will say with regards to the, you know what we're talking about, the one thing that does make sense to me is the real estate piece. Oh yeah, right. We talked yeah. about uh, we talk about real estate a lot, um, and I hear it from our younger clients. They all think this is a great idea, so I'm not at all surprised to hear that that's something that they've kind of road they've gone down, especially with you know an, um, a newly wealthy individual that has discretionary income. It makes it a lot easier to to pick up a property and. Um, you know, especially because they were probably renters themselves at some point, and it makes sense mm -hmm. to them to, to, to now be the renter. Yeah, and there's a lot of people on social media, like me, talking about this stuff, right? You guys have probably heard the story a million times, but I like telling the story, so I'm going to tell it again, okay? The reason why I like real estate, uh, a few reasons, really. My in-laws have had great success in real estate, so I mm -hmm. watched them from a distance since I was 19, mm -hmm. and I thought, that seems like a pretty good way to, to make money, okay? Mm -hmm. So I had that in my mind, and I watched what they're doing, and then also I thought about the fact that there are no pensions for us, right? How much is your pension? Zero, okay? Doesn't exist. Yeah. So how can we make a pension for ourselves? Well, you can have 
tenants that pay you monthly, mm -hmm. a monthly pension. And that's through buying rental real estate. And my portfolio is tied to stocks. My mm -hmm. income is tied to stocks. Yep. The value of the business is tied to stocks mm -hmm. to a certain degree. That's all one asset class, right? Mm -hmm. Well, real estate is a great diversifier. It has a zero correlation to stocks, except mm -hmm. for in 2008. So I wanted to diversify away from the, you know, the day job, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you work at Ford, you don't want to have your income tied to Ford, your mm -hmm. pension tied to Ford, and own all Ford stock own in your stock 401. Options. Not a recommendation. Mm -hmm. That's a for sure not a recommendation. Okay. <laughs> right. So that was my concept, right? My parallel is let's diversify away from the day job kind of mm -hmm. a deal and, uh, and let the tenants pay off the mortgages for you and let them create a pension for you. Mm -hmm. So makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah. Okay. So rich young Americans have less in the market than older generations. Is it true? I don't know. But this article suggests that it is. But uh, we have embraced alternative investments for mm -hmm. a long time. So, you know, we're not surprised, I guess. But we like real estate. We like private equity. Not a recommendation. Consult with your advisor. Mm -hmm. But I understand. Yeah. And I and I also say, though, th those things don't come without risk either, right? Private equity can go bad easily, you know, especially if you're just picking a single deal and mm -hmm. you found something that seemed like a good idea and you you know, through your app, bought it, right? Or what about art? You know, through like your the, app. <laughs> the, new, the new art, right? The <laughs> NFT, right? People uh, were yeah. buying these things for these, for tremendous amounts of money and the values on them have just absolutely plummeted. Well, you know, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. So I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> right. The NFTs are too much for me. Yeah, I don't either. So I'm just getting old and grouchy. Yeah. So I, I don't know, I just think that's important to bring up, right? Where people might think, maybe I need to think of some of these creative things. Well, they don't come without risk and they're guaranteed to have a liquidity issues, right? Because they're always harder to get out of things like any of those things, art, real estate, private equity, those things are all harder to get in and out of. Absolutely. So. Okay, well, that'll do it for today. Uh, if you'd like to have a second opinion on your stock investment, your level of stock market exposure, we'd be happy to offer you a second opinion. Check us out at peakwm.com. You can schedule an appointment online. And don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.